Kick the tires and light the fires, Bison Nation. It's homecoming Saturday, and the Herd's got a big one against Mark Farley and the Northern Iowa Panthers, led by what might be the hottest quarterback in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and Theo Day. They absolutely dissected Youngstown State last weekend, but we got to talk about and we've got to relive that 16 to 10 triumph over the University of North Dakota. And I feel, by as a nation, that I have to give you a pep talk, that I have to provide some motivation here on this homecoming Saturday. The Bison are 4 and 0. Ranked number five in the country in total control over their own destiny, having just beat a top 10 ranked team on the road. A team that was co-champs of the Missouri Valley last spring in the University of North Dakota. A playoff team who won a playoff game, and that's not good enough for some folks in Bison Nation, and I just don't get it. I don't get it. Anytime when I grew up, and even now, any anytime you can beat UND or South Dakota State or UNI, it's a darn good day. I don't care if that's by one point. I don't care if it's by 31 points. You can take your style points and cram them because they don't matter. What matters is We're 1-0 in the conference, and UND isn't. What matters is that heading into the playoffs here around Thanksgiving time, you fans out here who are bemoaning a 16-10 victory, did you see the Alaris Center last Saturday? Do you know how badly that program at UND, how badly they want to beat the Bison for the last... 10, 11 years, all they've heard about is this team in Fargo where ESPN shows up and Carson Wentz and Trey Lance get drafted. These sellout crowds, these mass migrations to Frisco, Texas, this tailgating scene that is one of the best in all of college football. They're sick and tired of hearing about it. They were all kinds of amped up last Saturday. Amped up, man. That that might even be an understatement. The Alaris Center was full, and it was loud. It was so loud that NDSU had to go to the silent count, and even Coach Entz and Quincy Patterson talked about how the Bison offense had some issues early on adjusting to the noise. I know that we hate as Bison fans. When other schools say, well, that was their Super Bowl. When they went into Kinnick and took down the Iowa Hawkeyes, well, that was their Super Bowl. When they went to Minneapolis and knocked around the Gophers a few times, that was their Super Bowl. When we went down to Manhattan, Kansas, and took down Kansas State, that was their Super Bowl. Well, friends, UND's Super Bowl was last week against the Bison, and we absolutely ripped, ripped their hearts out, took their very souls, and stomped all over them. 
Do you know how demoralizing that result was for not just their fans, but for their coaches and their players and their athletic staff with everything that went into that day? It was a lot like a certain Saturday back in the fall of 2019 when North Dakota State went down to Brookings, South Dakota to play the Jack <laughs> Rabbits when college game day was in Brookings. And Adam Cofield on a fourth and 71 for the ages ripped off that touchdown run. Do you know what it does to another program when the Bison keep winning again and again and again and again? Those first few games, the first three games in the Division I history between North Dakota State and UND, the Bison demolished them. And their fans can poo-poo that and talk about hockey and everything else. But when they thought they had a chance, when they were ahead 7-6 to in the third quarter, and their coach, who is a very good coach, makes just a boneheaded, stupid decision to go for it on fourth and one from his own 20, and it backfires. And then the Bison take that lead, but oh, it's a one-possession game. And late in the game, there's five and a half minutes. Don't tell me you weren't nervous, Bison fans. You weren't standing up. You weren't pacing. You were thinking, "Uh uh-oh. As the Fighting Hawks drove toward midfield, and there's a fourth and two. And the code green defense steps up and just stuffs, just stuffs the Fighting Hawks. And then that buys an offense, eight plays, 58 yards. Hunter Lipke, boom, boom, boom. Just bulldozing, just wanting it more, just carrying an entire defense. I think Ryan Peralt, the sports information director at North Dakota State, tweeted out something like seven UND defenders on one play got their hands on Lipke, and he was not going down. And Quincy Patterson capped off that drive with a three-yard touchdown run, and so many fans, you guys are critical. Do do we need to do better than 4-10 passing for 49, 48 yards? Yes, we do. Absolutely, we do. I'm not going to sell you a load of crap and say that's a good passing performance. It absolutely wasn't. I have a, I have a number I'm going to get to later today. Christian Watson, I've got my number one Christian Watson jersey on right now in the studio I think he is the most electric playmaker in the FCS, and we targeted him one time last weekend. One time. You know who else knows that when they're watching the tape? The Bison offensive coaching staff. I would suspect that Christian Watson is going to get targeted and will have more than one touch this afternoon against the Panthers. But I'll drop this little nugget later in the show. I'll tease it and play it out. How many yards in his Bison career, whether it's catching the ball, running the ball, or on kick returns, every time that Christian Watson touches the ball, how many yards on average, on average, do you think he has? That answer coming later in the show on our Aflac trivia question. Third and goal from the three-yard line. North Dakota State leads by a single point. It's 7-6. to six. 
Anything can happen. There's plenty of time if the Bison do not convert on that third and goal from the three-yard line. UND can win the game if the Bison have to settle for a field goal to go up 10-6. to The touchdown beats the Bison. But the Rams, baby. They paved the road, and then Quincy Patterson made a real heads-up play. It was one of those RPOs to the left. I don't know if it was a pass option. It was a run all the way, so I don't think there was any pass option built in. But he put the ball in Kobe Johnson's stomach for just a brief second. And that put a UND linebacker in conflict, and he froze. He paused. If you watch the replay, the UND linebacker freezes. Is he going to go with Quincy, or is he going to try to take Kobe? And several defenders went for Kobe. So then Quincy does a little nifty kind of juke jab step to the inside, just kind of a little shift. The head like he's going back toward the center, which is enough to suck in those UND linebackers, and then he pops it to the outside for a touchdown. Now it might only read on the stat sheet as a three-yard run, but that's the sort of play the North Dakota State offense is looking for in Quincy Patterson. That is the sort of play when other schools' defensive coordinators watch the film that keeps them up at night. Because Quincy Patterson is a heck of an athlete, and if it wasn't for him running the ball last weekend, leading all rushers, 19 carries for 92 yards and a score, that was better than Otis Weah, UND's All-American running back. They each touched the ball, carried the ball 19 times. Quincy had 92 yards. Weah had 85. Quincy had a touchdown. Weah didn't. The quarterback run game won the game for the Bison. Won the game. So, yes, we need to do better than 4 of 10 for 48 yards. We got to stop taking these sacks I said it last week. I've said it the last several weeks. I think Quincy Patterson is going to be an outstanding quarterback. I think this Bison offense is a work in progress. I think week to week, they're going to get better and better and better. And so long as that offense is where we need them to be at come playoff time, that's what it's all about. If we're playing in a quarterfinal game or a semifinal playoff game at the Fargo Dome or on the road against a Sam Houston or a Eastern Washington or a James Madison, are you going to give one flip about what we did on October 2nd against the University of North Dakota? If we're, tr- if we're leading a semifinal game by four points in the fourth quarter and we've got a third and five we need to convert to try to put that game away, Are you going to think back to why we didn't give the ball more to Hunter Lipke against the University of North Dakota? No. What you're going to say is, man, I'm really glad we're playing in the Fargo Dome. And why are we playing in the Fargo Dome? Because we found a way to get a win at the Alaire Center on October 2nd. That's what matters, guys. That's what matters. I know you wanted to just take UND's big old beak and bury it in the ground and embarrass them. They're a good football team. Those days are over where they're kind of a middling, mediocre football program. That's not who they are anymore. You don't have to like it. You can call me nuts for saying it. 
But you better believe that North Dakota State's coaches and players and folks around the Missouri Valley Football Conference, they know it. You can't disrespect an opponent, even if they're a rival. And here's the thing. I've, I've gotten some heat for this. I, I posted a, a column. Check out bisonillustrated.com. I get after some Bison fans for being overly critical. That, that's at uh, bisonillustrated.com, that column. You can read it. What, what just frustrates me, you get after me for saying UND is not a rival. How would you have felt had we dropped that game to the Fighting Hawks? Out of every game on the calendar, and I said it last week and I'll say it again, I'm able to sleep a little bit better at night knowing that we beat UND. Do I like dropping games to other teams, whether it's a South Dakota State or a Sam Houston? No, I sure don't. But I enjoy it a heck of a lot more when we walk out of a place like the Alaris Center with a 16-10 to win and we're sitting 4-0 and overall in 1-0 and overall in the Missouri Valley Football Conference as we're teeing up a homecoming game against Northern Iowa. I feel a lot better than UND does. They're 2-2, two and two, guys. 0-1 in the league. To put that into perspective, there's seven games left on the calendar. UND's got two difficult road games starting today at the Dakota Dome against the Coyotes. Then they got to go to Southern Illinois. They still have South Dakota State left on the schedule in Brookings. The Valley is a bear. The Valley is a beast. Even if UND can go 5-2 and two from here on out, that still puts them at 7-4 and four and on a playoff bubble. They better have a signature win. If North Dakota State can beat Northern Iowa today, we'll be sitting 2-0 and oh in the Missouri Valley having taken down two really, really good football programs in North Dakota and Northern Iowa. And that, my friends, is something worth celebrating. Heard It Here is brought to you by Smith Motors in Wapaton and Walton's Tire Service in Lisbon. Smith Motors, small-town friendly, big-town deals, and Welton's Tire Service, your local one-stop. For tires, friendly service, and more in Lisbon, North Dakota. After the break, we got Brian Sean from Midco Sports. We'll talk about uh, that North Dakota State UND game because I can't get enough of just talking about buys and wins over the Fighting Hawks. And we'll talk about a really, really, really good Northern Iowa team coming into the Fargo Dome this afternoon. Coming up next on Heard It Here. It is a warm but rainy homecoming Saturday if you're heading out to the west lots of the Fargo Dome. Might want to bring an umbrella with you or just crack the tops because you just don't care as the herd takes on the northern Iowa Panthers at 1 o'clock from the Fargo Dome. Joining us on the line, we got Brian Sean from Midco Sports. Brian, I don't know that a lot of fans expected the defensive battle that took place in Grand Forks last weekend, but I think getting a little bit lost in the, the shuffle about fans' complaints about the Bison offense and passing attack is just how absolutely outstanding Code Green was last Saturday. Yeah, I think I, I really believe that, too, that um, I thought both defenses just played exceptionally well. Just going back and watching some of the game and watching each offensive possessions, I just thought both defenses were really physical. And 
were very much on point. They both, I thought they both tackled really well. And you could tell that both had the extra week to prepare and get ready for a lot of different things. And even when North Dakota tried to go to their bag of tricks with some different things, they just were not able to execute most of those plays. And I thought North Dakota State showed a lot of discipline on that side of the ball, not trying to flow to one side or the other too much. They were very much trusting one another. And, you know, each guy was, was on their assignment and not trying to do too much. And I think that sometimes that's the biggest thing is, is not trying to go and make a crazy play. It's just doing your job at, at that particular point. I thought they did a really good job of that against UND. As a unit, what what stands out to me, Brian, through the first four games that, you know, you, you watch these guys play, then you see them throughout the week doing interviews and then doing interviews post-game. They're, there's such a, a camaraderie and chemistry within this defense, and as a unit, they just seem to play so well together. I agree with you, and and that's I think that's very much evident, uh, especially the group that was out there on Saturday. You know, you can tell those guys have played a lot of snaps now. When you look at the Hankies and the Kazers and just your Cox, we talked about the defensive line a lot, Swanee, the last time I was on with you, but. Uh, you know, even the corners and safeties, those guys are, are getting better every single week. And I think there's a lot more trust in the back end. You know, there's a lot more consistency uh, in terms of that way that group is performing. And I think maybe that was the one area that needed to, to come together and become a little more adhesive was the secondary, just with the corners and safeties and everybody doing their job there and, and no ball coverages. And, and there were a couple of times that things broke down, but not too often. And, uh, you know, whoever was back there, whether it was, Talbert, Eubanks, Price, you know, they're playing a bunch of different guys. Uh, and certainly they're throwing Dawson Weber out there with um, throwing Dawson Weber out there with, with Tutsi. You got, you know, two experienced safeties that, that can really command uh, a huddle and, and get those guys in the right places and lining up in the right places. And I, I thought everybody really did an excellent job, you know, just keeping everything in front of them and not, uh, you know, not letting their eyes, uh, trusting their eyes, I guess, is the most important thing and not trying to get themselves out of position by, by looking at things with the smoke and mirrors that with North Dakota's offense is easy to do. And when the Bison needed to stop, whether it was uh, Dawson Weber's pick there in the second half or those two big fourth down plays, they got it. And, and if you'd have told me going into the season, Brian, that the NDSU defense through the first month of the year would be number two in the country, only giving up 5.8 points per game. The Bison through four games have only allowed three touchdowns and no team has scored on them yet in the third quarter, I, I don't care how good your defense, is, uh, who you have playing defense or who you're playing against, that is awfully impressive to keep a team to, to only be allowing an average of 5.8 points per game because if the other team's offense is only putting up 5.8 points per game, you're going to win the game with a touchdown. No, there's no question. And and that's and the challenges are going to get tougher, Swan. I think we know that as the season goes along. But it's a group that's dialed in, and even when they've given up some big plays or, or given up some drives, when they when when you know when the rubber meets the road, they're finding ways to get stops when it matters. You know, you talked about the fourth down stops. You know, and and, and the the pass by Schuster was was a bad pass, but at the same time, Dawson Weber still caught the ball. You know, but sometimes plays like that, sometimes you you don't catch it because you can't believe it's it's coming right to you the way it is. So it, it's it's a group that is it's it's playing well, and you know they should feel confident, especially being at home. Uh, there's still some pretty dynamic offenses they're going to have to go against in the Valley. But, uh, you know, North Dakota was putting up quite a few points, too, and, and feeling pretty good about itself with, with some of the you know things they were doing. And, uh, you know, and, in, in Grand Forks, uh, North Dakota State did a pretty good job of um, limiting the running game for the most part. 
And even when there were plays made, they, they found a way to get off the field when it mattered, which, you know, as whether it was Craig Bull or Chris Clymer now Matt Entz, you know, they, they have all said, you know, if you can tighten up when, when things get down inside your own zone and you're trying to defend those last 20 yards, you know, field goals don't hurt you and coaches can get frustrated sometimes. And I think uh, going for some of those fourth downs and some of those situations, you know, I, I, they've paid dividends and, and NDSU has made the plays when they need to make them. No, the the first folks that'll tell you, you know, you look at Quincy Patterson's stat line from last week, you know, 19 rushes, him and Weah both touched the ball 19 times. Quincy finished with 92 yards on the ground. Weah had 85. Quincy, of course, with a big touchdown late, but four of 10 passing for 48 yards. And, and Tyler Roll and, and Randy Hedberg, they, they know that the Bison passing offense has to be better than four of 10 for 48 yards. But uh, watching that game yesterday, what was your takeaway for what the Bison – need to do to, to maybe generate some momentum and, and progress in that passing game when you got you know a guy like Christian Watson who had one target the entire game um, and, and I don't want to pick on the play calling or anything like that but uh, you know what does the Bison offense need to do to get that passing game going a little bit well I think quick easy completions is the first thing you know that sometimes you just got to get the ball out of your hands get your quarterback in a rhythm I never felt Quincy did that and, you know, as big as Quincy is, and he's like a linebacker playing quarterback, I don't think you want to run him 20 times a game. I, I just don't think over the course of the season that is going to be the plan. I think they probably want to limit his carries to, you know, eight to ten times per game, probably more so on third down in the red zone because it's a long season. And, um, you know, as, as physical and big as he is, I just, you know, that was the game plan last week. That's what they needed to do to win. But, um you know, I, I went back and watched some of the offensive possessions to kind of see what was going on. And I, I will say this, the receivers got to do a better job of getting open too. I mean, it's, it's not always on the quarterback. And, and I thought, you know, North Dakota did a good job executing some of their stuff and, and they had a pretty good beat on what NDSU was trying to do in the passing game. But, you know, the receivers got to get in those routes and they got to find some space. And, and I think that's something that I'm sure they're, they're focusing on either. I didn't think a lot of times there was a, a place to throw the ball and, you know, the other part I think, you know, NDSU had some success with was, was the screen game, uh, one screen play out to Gindorf. And I think NDSU can be a good screen team if they want to run more of that stuff. And, uh, you know, they, they obviously involved the tight ends. And Gindorf was, was pretty much the, the passing offense last week. And I just think that at some point, uh, you know, too, you got to take a shot. And I know sometimes um, when you're trying to play it, a certain way and you feel like you can lean on a team and over the course of a four quarter game that you can run it on them too. I mean, you, you feel that way that, Hey, you know, we're going to stick with the course. We believe in this game plan, but you know, I, I think you have the speed and athleticism they have with, with the Sproles and, and Christian Watson's, uh, they got to find a way to, to, to get some explosive plays out of those guys and just find a way to get the ball in their hands as much as possible. You know, and they never gave the ball to Christian on, on one of those jet sweeps. And I still think at some point, you have to do it just to just to show it, and make sure you get the ball in the hands of your athletes because they're just they're too they're too explosive and too good players to to not have the ball in their hands at all. And I'm sure they went back and we're going to look at some things and reassess some things. And I'll be curious what the game plan looks like today. And there's and that's one of the things that strikes me too, Brian, especially with Watson. I teased it earlier this morning on the air, but over the course of his career. If you had to guess for every time Christian Watson has touched the ball, how many yards he averages, whether it's you know, all, all of his receptions, uh, his runs, and his kickoff returns, how many yards do you think Christian averages every time he touches the ball? Oh, I would guess it's got to be somewhere in double digits, right? 11? 
Eight, 12, eight, somewhere around there. 18.88, almost 20 yards. 18.88 <laughs> yards per touch. And that and that's one of those things where you see the, you know, teams teams obviously have scouted. I mean, these coaches in the Valley are very good college football coaches. They scout each other very well. And I know North Dakota State used that motion a lot last week, and I kept waiting for them to give the ball to Christian on it or to Sproles, and and they just didn't for whatever reason. I I. I your guess is as good as mine, but I would like to see him to get those guys. You have to. You have to. When you have electric playmakers like that, you have to find a way to get them the ball because if you don't, you know, what we started to see, and it's one game, and that's the other thing. I don't want to get, you know, too reactionary because it's such a small sample size. You're, you're playing a game where the flow of the game, your defense is playing so well, you don't want to put your defense on a short field and give UND positive field position. So what I would like to, to see – Today, Coach Entz mentioned it at his, his press conference, that efficiency, because when it's – this buys an offense isn't built to be second and nine or third and seven, third and eight. And it, it seemed that in those situations – we were in those positions again a lot against North Dakota, but when we would get into that second and four or even a second and two, you know, the one time Quincy takes a sack when we're on UND side of the 50, second and two. I know a few other times it's second and three, and we have a negative play, and now it's third, six, and seven. So I, I think NDSU has to, well, just be more efficient on those on those first and second down plays, which is the same issue you know they had last spring too. Yeah, and honestly, I thought first down efficiency. You kind of said it's funny. I thought first down efficiency was actually pretty good last week. It was really second down that yeah, was kind of yeah. their their issue. They found themselves in a lot of second and four, second and three, second and fives, and then. Like you said, it was a negative play, you know, for a minus two. And then, or, you know, they just didn't execute some plays too. I mean, there were some plays out there, you know, in, in the, the deep middle to, to Kobe Johnson's one that stands out. I mean, he, he catches that in stride, and I don't know if anybody catches him. I mean, there, and really, I think the other part of that is you, when you can't complete passes and, and things aren't, you know, you're not getting, you can't get in a rhythm. And I think that's another part of it too is once you get in a rhythm as an offense and, and everything starts to go, it, it it get, it's a little bit different too, and they just never got that in the passing game. And I will be curious to find out what what the what the offensive game plan is against Northern Iowa because Northern Iowa in the front seven is really good. I mean, they are they are stout. You know, they they are predicated on doing everything they can to stop the run. And I'll just I'll be interested to see how how the two teams match up and what the chess match looks like. Two coaching staffs and that really know each other and, and know what each other wants to do. So it'll be fun. Yeah, and they know each other so well. And these teams, these teams always seem to play really tight, more more defensive minded games where points really come at a premium. Brian, can we keep you around for a, another segment here? You bet. Awesome. Let's uh, we'll we'll take a break here. We got Brian Sean from Midco Sports on. When we come back, we'll talk about the Northern Iowa team coming in, one of the hottest teams in the FCS, three and one. Theo Day, their Michigan State quarterback. Talk about explosive. The Panthers against Youngstown State last week had all four of their touchdowns were from twenty plus yards out, with three of them coming from fifty. We'll talk about what North Dakota State does to need to fi- to find success this afternoon against the Panthers. Coming up next on Heard It Here. You just got to rip the knob off and keep it locked on Herded here with Swanee on 740 AM. The fan we're joined on this homecoming Saturday by Brian Sean of Midco Sports. Brian, I think t- today especially you take a look at NDSU's defense along with UNI's defense. 
UNI has only given up 10.5 points per game, which is good for fifth in the FCS. And as Coach Entz referenced in his presser earlier in the week, he thinks that the Panthers got the best front seven in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. So this might be a game where points come at a premium, and if you can get the ball into the red zone, you better be scoring touchdowns rather than uh, settling for field goals. Yeah, there's no question. I think it really comes down to it's very simple. Which team can run the football more effectively? Because both teams are going to do everything they can to take away the other team's running game. I mean, that's that's been Northern Iowa's M.O. even before North Dakota State got in the Valley, however many years ago it was. And NDSU is the same way. You know, we're going to try to take away your ground game. We want to try to run the football. And I and I think North Dakota State has a better chance of running the football than, than Northern Iowa does. I, I think the Panthers are so predicated on scoring on big plays. And I, I don't think North Dakota State will have to bring a lot of extra pressure you know, from linebackers or safeties or anybody to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So I think they can sit back, keep stuff in front of them, and just don't let them get the big plays. And I think that's where the safeties have to be mindful of what's going on in front of them and making sure that some of those big receivers and electric receivers that UNI does have, and they do have some capabilities, you know, don't don't let them go. those guys get behind you and give up a big play because that's that is something Northern Iowa is very capable of doing. But I don't know if they are consistently going to be able to be able to move the ball up and down the field with an eight to 10 play drive. I just don't think they have that capability of doing that against North Dakota state today. And it will be a good test for, for the offensive line too, for NDSU. I, you and I is really good up front. They are, they are really good up front. Um, they, they show a lot of different things. They're experienced in uh, pretty much all the positions they're in. I, their linebackers fly around. They play hard. We know that about you and I, they're going to play hard. And they're going to have a lot, you know, a lot in the line too. They're tired of losing NDSU, so it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting matchup between those two. But the one thing that typically Mark Farley has not done a lot of, and that's rotate guys up front. And that's where sometimes over the course of a game, when you're playing like guy like Brinkman, 50, 60 snaps a game, uh, sometimes you can wear him out if you can keep your offense on the field. So I do think it will be important for North Dakota State to to try to keep, even if they're not moving the ball a ton, even just to maintain some longer drives early in the contest and um, try to manage the game that way. And then you kind of hope you can maybe wear down the Panthers up front as the game goes along. Yeah. And and that's something that that strikes me, especially with this code green defense is I don't see very many teams going 70, 80, 90 yards on a sustained drive. So I think that's absolutely spot on that if North Dakota state can make sure you and I doesn't get behind them on those big home run plays, I think definite advantage buys and and I think something else, Brian. For for the first time since the fall of 2019, you know this game is a sellout. The Bison are selling standing room only seats, and you know as well as as anybody having called a bunch of games in the Fargo Dome, that place is a different animal for opposing teams when it's rocking and it's so loud. You can't hear the guy next to you down on the field. How big of an advantage will that be for the herd this afternoon, having that full and presumably rocking Fargo Dome? Well, I, it, I think it's significant, and it's the first time maybe we're going to have it since when? I mean, since I mean, it's been a long time since '19. I mean, we we haven't really had a full Fargo Dome since uh, since that period of time, and I think it, it's two things with that too. It's, it's Northern Iowa, who everybody knows, and it's kind of been the the rival, so to speak, with South Dakota State over the last ten years, the main rivals. And then it, it's it's homecoming, man, and there's a lot of people are back. It's the early start. Um, I personally love the early kickoffs. So one, that's what I always loved about homecoming games. I, I'd rather kick them off earlier than later. So uh, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of 
festivities. There's a lot of spirit. There's a lot of people that are excited for it. And I do think it has a chance to be a pretty good atmosphere today. And I do think that'll be a significant advantage. You know, not that Northern Iowa isn't battle-tested. I mean, they went into Iowa State and, and played uh, played the Cyclones really tough. Really probably should have won the football game, to be honest with you, just going back and watching that one. I thought they actually played Iowa State throughout most of that game. So it's not like they haven't played in some big environments. But, you know, they we all know that when, when the Dome is rocking and there's people on their feet and it's loud, you know, it changes the dynamics for sure. Is that is that the difference, you know, going back a minute ago talking about those long sustained drives and being able to run the ball and in football, I mean, there's there's really nothing new. This this game, there's no there's no tricks, there's no nuance. I think you're right that whoever runs the ball better wins the game. But this game really go, come down to just the fact that the team that can establish the run, put their quarterback in those second and third down, you know, second and five, six, third and three, those more makeable conversion attempts, but then also taking care of the football because we saw how big turnovers were. And I know there was only the one Dawson Weber interception last week, but those two fourth down stops, Coach Entz made a point to say this week, those were turnovers. So something like that, I look at it on paper, how how good both these teams are, how well they know each other. I think if North Dakota State takes care of the football and can can run the ball and avoid, the, the one thing I worry about, Brian, and I know we talked about it a few weeks ago, and Quincy, I don't want to pick on him because I think he's getting better. I think the Bison don't beat UND last week if he doesn't run the ball the way he did. But sometimes he gets back there and he's still holding on to the ball too long. And one of these times he's going to get popped and the ball is going to come flying out. So that's how I see it breaking down. Who can run the ball and who does a better job taking care of the football and not giving the other team's offense a short field to work with off a turnover? Yeah, that I mean that's always that's going to be the huge key in this game too. I mean, you, you, the one thing that you can do is give the other offense short field. You know, where they're starting inside your own territory or starting, you know, in, in a spot where you put your defense in a really difficult spot. And the momentum's a funny thing that way too. And, and you, you know, and I, I I'm kind of with you on like with Quin, with Quincy Patterson. I, I don't believe we've seen anywhere near the best of what he's going to be by the time it's all said and done. I still think this. A lot of this is new for him. Uh, I think they've tried to simplify some things for him in terms of his reads, where to go with the football. I think that's why you've seen a lot of read option type stuff. I think that's what he's comfortable with. He understands that. And, um, you know, and, and probably not putting a lot on him in terms of checks at the line, like, you know, that we saw with Trey and Easton and Carson the last few years. You know, those guys were really advanced in this system and understood when to get you in and out of the right play. And, and, you know, they were really good about getting in the SU in the right play 98% of the time. I mean, they were really good at that. And I don't know if Quincy has that ability right now. And it's not because he can't learn it or won't learn it. It's the fact that he just doesn't have a lot of game reps and hasn't been through a full install with a fall and hasn't been through a full install with the spring. It's just a very different, different dynamic when you don't, when you don't have that ability to go through all those things over the course of time. But I do think the more game reps he gets, the better he's going to get. And, um, you know, yeah, was he seeing things maybe a little too late? Yeah, I thought there were some openings last week. He, he could have thrown the ball and it was there, but then all of a sudden he sees it too late and then you can't throw it. And, again, that's, those are just the speed of the game things and, and getting adjusting to the offense and, and what the timing is of all that thing, of those things. And, and North Dakota State's offense timing is such a huge part of it. So uh, I do think, you know, over the course of the year it'll get better and, I really believe by you know November, December, I, I think you'll see a much better version of him, a much better version of North Dakota State offensively than what you're going to see maybe in the next few weeks. 
And the Bison were doing it most of the game with a backup center. You know, Jalen Sundell goes down, gets hurt. Westberg comes in, plays plays really well in his own right. And, and that's the thing I keep going back to, Brian. You know, we think you know, Trey Lance making his first start with the 49ers this weekend, and then Easton Stick, who was the you know an All-American, all-time winningest quarterback in FCS history, and then obviously Carson before him and Brock before him. But, you know, where Brock Jensen was at or where even a Carson was his junior year or even Easton Stick when Carson went down and Easton came in, Easton Stick is a freshman, sophomore wasn't the same Easton he was toward that latter half of his junior senior season. And it's one of those things that the Bison, it's a lot to put on a young man's plate to come into an offense like this where not a lot of quarterbacks in FCS football or college football are tasked with calling the protection for the offensive line, with making all those reads at the line of scrimmage and getting teams into the right play. And I'm with you. I think we just get so spoiled where we expect any quarterback that comes into the Bison offense to step in and be the next Brock, be the next Carson, be the next Easton, be the next Trey right away. And where where Quincy is at right now, you know, the the run game won it for the Bison, the quarterback run game. And and I think Quincy will get there. But I think Bison fans, as much as, much as we're not really the the patient type, just need to have a little bit of patience and give him some time in this offense to start seeing things and feeling comfortable. Because I think once that starts clicking, I think this is going to be an awfully with all those playmakers on the offensive side and that offensive line in front of them, I think once it does click and they find that rhythm that you talked about, Katie, bar the door because this offense could be pretty explosive. No question. It's it's going to get a lot better. It, it, it will. And I, I think you'll see it, you know, continue to evolve and advance. And, you know, people, when you think about it with Quincy, he's been through as many fall camps as Cole Payton has been through. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he didn't really have a true spring ball. So I, I just think there's this, even though he was there and he was practicing and he was doing everything in the spring, with the team playing and game planning, he's still not going through a spring ball. You're still not going through your install periods, your development periods that you normally would go through because you're still trying to play and win games. And so I think, you know, that, that's tough. And so I'm with you. It just takes reps. And I, I think offensively, and it's not just him either. I mean, it's, it's everybody. It's everybody getting used to everybody with these situations. And um, you know, we've seen it in the past. So we've, I really believe too, it'll be, it'll be a work in progress. And, and again, it's one game to Swanee. I know it's so easy to get caught up because it's the last game, but they could come out today and put 40 on the, on the board. And, you know, everybody looks like, why were, why were we so concerned after, after the UND game? So, um, you know, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to kind of see how the team responds today. And I anticipate they'll respond the right way. I, I just think they'll, they'll go back and look at each other and realize we can play a lot better than what we did last weekend. Yeah, and that's what I like about a performance where you get tested and you have a really tough game against the UND, and then you know certain elements of the fan base are kind of getting after you. I'll tell you what, there's nobody, Bison fans, anybody on this planet that wants to have a better offensive performance today than the guys in that locker room, and Tyler Roll and Randy Hedberg and the rest of that Bison offensive coaching staff. So I, I expect that they'll come out, and, and I think we'll be fine today. And, you know, you mentioned one last thing before we let you go here. You know, Kobe, that slant. He catches that, you know, I he could take it to the house. And you, you get inside, the Bison got inside UND's 50 a couple times, but when you're settling for those field goals instead of touchdowns, you know, I think you could say, well, you know, if UND doesn't, you know, boff those fourth down plays or have that interception, who knows what will happen. But, 
you know, it wasn't like the Bison offense was was completely garbage, not not doing anything all day. They had some they had some moments last week when they were moving it and getting onto the plus side of the field. It's just those second down plays kind of were the undoing, and then you have to settle for field goal. So I I don't think you know when when you take a real hard look at it, I don't think that the Bison offense is as far away as as a lot of us might think they are. I I think they're they're pretty close to hitting that rhythm and stride. And I'm, I'm just really hoping they, they figure it out this afternoon against Panthers. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's a very correct assessment. And we, you, you look at the numbers, they still ran for 220 yards against a team that, you know, was throwing everything they could at them, you know, in the line of scrimmage and NDSU was still able to move it and still able to do some things. It just execution and key periods just, you know, maybe wasn't there. And regardless of what the score is, man, you still have to celebrate wins no matter how you get them, you know, you go back to 10 years, you know, and, and some of those scores were like that, right? You're winning games 17, 10, 14, 6. And, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with that. You got to celebrate every win. Every win matters, especially when you go on the road in a hostile environment. Quincy even said, I think he, you know, maybe under um, undervalued of how, how much North Dakota, how much the crowd would, would play a factor in the game. And, and I thought it was a really spirited atmosphere. And I, North Dakota obviously really really has been looking forward to that game, getting NDSU up in, in Grand Forks, you know, for the first time in however many years, 18 years until three. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. There's no reason to hit the panic button. And this is a team that still put up a lot of yards, you know, just missed some tough stuff out there and still put up, you know, tons of yards in the three non-conference games as well. So, hey, at the end of the day, man, you're 4-0, you're trying to get to 5-0, and and uh, there's nothing wrong with being five and zero, no matter how you get there. Considering uh, who you got to start the conference play with, with UND on the road, and then you and I at home. Hey, amen, brother. And anytime you can beat UND twice in the span of six months, I'll celebrate that and smile ear to ear every time. Brian, appreciate you coming on, buddy. You have a great rest of the weekend. Thanks, Juan. You too, man. That's Brian Sean, Midcoast Sports. When we come back on Heard It here with Swanee, we'll get into some uh, game day kind of predictions wrapping up as the buys. And like Brian said, enjoy the win, guys. We're 4-0. and We're going for 5-0 and this afternoon. We'll talk about how we get there coming up next on Heard It Here. Net. We're taking it to the bank as Swanee brings you his lock-solid prediction for this week's game. Just <clears throat> don't bet the house on it or anything, okay? Oh, my God. Are you serious? Hey, you better not bet the house on it because when I said 31-13 to 13 Bison win last week, I was hearing about it, whether it's from my buddy Travis Dunn, who uh, has the Around the Rink show coming up next, or uh, one of my... Buddy's Rob Manley at the Vogel Law Firm. I'm getting text 31 to 3. All right, yeah, I was off a little bit on that one, but that's half the fun, folks. Come on, it's a rivalry game, and I'm sitting there in my living room in West Fargo thinking, NDSU drops this game. I am not hearing the end of it for the next 365 days. So the sense of pure elation was palpable in the Swanson living room as Quincy Patterson rumbled into the end zone for that three-yard clincher to take home a 16-10 win against the Fighting Hawks. As Brian Sean, who was just on, I want to thank Brian, one of the best in the biz. He's right, man. Things don't get any easier for the herd today against a really, really good Northern Iowa team. Theo Day, their quarterback. Will McIlvain is still there. Theo Day, they brought him in to be a spark offensively, and boy, oh boy, has he been a spark for the Panthers, Michigan State transfer. He was like a four-star kid at offers from 
Michigan State, Kentucky, Arkansas, Minnesota, a bunch of big-time FBS places. Wasn't getting the snaps or looks or reps he wanted at Michigan State. Transferred to Cedar Rapids. And now four touchdowns for the Panthers last week. Coming from 20-plus yards out, three of those from 50. And if NDSU, that, and that's the thing, if you take a look at the statistics and the numbers, UNI is 35th in the country in scoring offense. They're 40th in rushing offense. They're 80th in passing offense, 67th in total offense, juxtaposed against NDSU's 18th in the country. They're 51st, the Panthers, in pass efficiency. When I take a look at things like that and the time of possession, they're actually on the negative side of the ledger on time of possession. They only, they're only holding it for 28 minutes and 19 seconds per game. That tells me that they thrive on explosive plays, and if you can take those away, any team is challenged going 60, 70, 80 yards against a code green defense. And I think the Bison will do that today because they're just too talented and too skilled. That defensive front, Coach Entz talks about how good UNI's front seven is, and they are very good. But I'll tell you what, North Dakota State's front seven is outstanding in its own right. And if North Dakota State can pressure Theo Day and make him throw that ball a little bit early in the Fargo Dome, the friendly confines, which will be rocking and rolling, one of the most electric environments in college football. We have not seen a dome crowd like this since December 2019, where 18,000 plus watched Trade Lance in the herd rock Montana State in a semifinal game. I think that makes a big difference today. I think Theo Day playing in that kind of environment, the Bison defense is going to be all over his stink like flies on you know what. How's it going to go down? Here's how it's going to go down. Christian Watson, baby, blowing the top off for some big plays. Babbage and Gindorf joining the party. Jalen. All I do is hit home runs, Bussy. He's breaking into it. Braylon Henderson, that Bison offense gets back on track today against a really good defense and brings home a 35. Let's go nuts because it's homecoming. Bison 35, Panthers 13. This is Herded here with Swanee. Want to thank Smith Motors, Wapiton, small town friendly, big town deals, and Walton's Tire Service, your local one stop for tires, friendly service, and more in Lisbon, North Dakota. Thank Joss Linus for running the boards and Brian Sean from Midco Sports for coming on. Stay tuned for Around the Rink with Travis Dunn. And remember, the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd. Uh...